Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. And today's guest is Michael Jacobson. Michael is an entrepreneur, an author, keynote speaker, and a high-performance business coach to entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business leaders. Michael is active as an entrepreneur in the entertainment and leisure property industry and holds investments in technology companies. He also acts as a consulting advisor to corporations and governments on entrepreneurship and innovation. Let's welcome Michael. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for uh, accepting my invitation, Michael. Let's, let's begin with, uh, you know, people that don't know you, what you do and what you're about. Well, it's a, it's a, a small question with a kind of complicated reply. Uh, I guess in, in simplistic terms, I'm an entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur is something that I think a lot of people don't understand what it means. In fact, uh, on my last trip back to Australia, when I arrived home, I put on the immigration form where it says, what do you do? Uh, I thought I'll put entrepreneur and see what happens. And uh, it caused great complications, even getting back into my own country, because the immigration officer was concerned about what an entrepreneur was and what I actually did. And I said, well, I'm an entrepreneur. He said, but what do you do? I said, I'm an entrepreneur. Anyway, spare you the the details of the 10-minute conversation we had about that. I am an entrepreneur, and what an entrepreneur, what I do, uh, I started off in finance. Uh, I built a business in the entertainment uh, space uh, with some partners, uh, and that business did two things. Firstly, it was a content business, and it owned the world rights to Dirty Dancing, which was a stage show, still is a stage show, which was based on the, based on the movie, and we bought the rights to that stage show from Lionsgate Films, which is a movie company that produced the film that owned the rights to the film. So we had that in London on the West End for a number of years and has played in many, many countries around the world and, and been very successful. I, I've exited that uh, investment now. The other business that I had, basically it's a, it was an entertainment property business and it, it operate, built and operated properties in, uh, across, uh, across the Asia Pacific in entertainment arenas, convention centers, theaters. So it was a property business or a business where we'd operate these facilities on behalf of governments or cities or with property developers. Also exited that business. And uh, to your current question, like most entrepreneurs, uh, once you sell a business, you just start another one and oftentimes it's doing the same thing. So uh, I have a business now, which is, which is uh, sort of 50% of my life or 60% of my life called European Leisure. And European Leisure works predominantly in, uh, in Central and Eastern Europe, uh, but we also have some projects in the UK, which is soon, definitely, after, after the recent European <laughs> results, definitely not to be Europe soon, but we operate in Europe and the UK. Uh, and we, uh, we are developing several entertainment developments with governments, with cities, and with property developers across Slovakia, Czech Republic, Central Eastern Europe, and the UK. That's the first part of what I do. Uh, the second part is uh, I write books for entrepreneurs. My most recent book was aimed at the Australian audience, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, called Entrepreneurs, Mavericks and Empire Builders. I also host a TV show on uh, Sky, which is part of Fox in Australia, where, we, where I interview high-profile entrepreneurs over there. And closer to, uh, closer to home or closer to the UK, uh, well, in fact, around the world, uh, I do high-performance coaching where I work either as an advisor to governments or corporations on, on innovation, uh, but also have a few uh, select private clients as well who tend to be CEOs or uh, high-growth entrepreneurs uh, who I work with on a, on a one-on-one 
basis. So kind of a long answer to your question. So awesome. entrepreneur was probably the easiest answer. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. So let's, let's un- unpackage that. So, so Michael, where did your journey begin? So how did you get into the entrepreneurship? Was it, was it a family business? Was it, you know, did you just fell into it? Did you have a corporate job? So where did your journey begin? I started off, I'm, Austra- I'm Australian. I've uh, been predominantly based in the UK for nine years, but uh, I, I split my time between the UK and Australia and uh, Eastern Europe, Central and Eastern Europe. My journey began in Australia and I started off in finance, but I'd grown up in a very entrepreneurial family, in a show business family, actually, with performers and my dad was a concert promoter as well. So I grew up in this environment and I was you know, very, very, uh, very much exposed to, to the entrepreneurial mindset and, and the show business entrepreneurial mindset is, is really off the charts. It's, it's pretty, pretty hardcore, pretty risky and uh, you know, also at the same time pretty exciting. So I grew up in that environment. I moved into finance and I work for, uh, for a bank in Australia in, in stockbroking or investment banking as, as it's better known now and then segued in from that into property and then circled into entertainment property and then began the journey on the on the entertainment slash property so the business i sort of created i guess wearing a finance hat had the security of property but the i suppose the excitement but also the 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 various income streams of entertainment and you know i've been doing that ever since but also you know particularly for the last decade started to, to spend about half my time on processes supporting other entrepreneurs and that's that's you know as i said a big part of what i've done for the last decade with books and you know, speaking engagements and advisory and coaching and, and what have you, TV show. If you, if you were to pick one part of what you do that's the most enjoyable, what would that be? That's a tough one. I do, I do love everything that I do. And I find that if there's something that I don't love, of course, there's aspects of everything that, that we don't love, like doing, doing administrative work and things like that. But there's things that I don't love, I get rid of them quickly because they, they really pollute your whole, they taint your whole focus. But I suppose if I had to really drill it down, the thing I love, I think I find the most rewarding is when I can, I suppose, inspire or uplift someone else. So if I'm working with, with somebody else, be it somebody who's seen the TV program and said, hey, you know, I never thought about entrepreneurialism like that, or even if it's with a private client. And and, and when I work with private clients, mind you, it's not, you know, I don't believe in this whole, whole guru nonsense. You know, I'm not a guru by any by any means. You know, as a, as a high-performance coach and as an entrepreneur, you know, you're, you're there to help somebody bring out the best in themselves, not to tell them how good you are. But that being said, when you, when you can help somebody, you know, spark some sort of brilliance within them and then, you know, get on the road and get on the right track towards growth, with their own business where maybe they were stuck before or something wasn't working or they just couldn't couldn't make it happen. To me it's really inspiring when you when I can turn around and say, Wow, like, you know, that's something and it's it's something which I think is really fulfilling and makes it worth getting up in the morning. Awesome. You, you know, just like the word I was, I was just watching your video on um, one of the exercises you mentioned, I think your mentor taught you on how to do sorry, when when he said when he sits down with you, he said, uh, imagine your Wikipedia page in twenty years time. Yes, yes. And and then what would it look like? And then you work back from there and then you that gets you crystal clear vision. And this word called uh, mindset gets banded around a lot, same as entrepreneur. Yes. And a lot of people look at the videos and go, oh, God, here you are, another guy talking about mindset. 
how much of a part does that really play in, in, in the world of business, in the world of being successful? I think it plays a huge mindset because I think, you know, a lot of people look at positive thinking and say, well, you know, it's all a load of rubbish. The flip side to that, though, is how successful will somebody be if you, if you actually believe you can't do something? If you, if, you, if you don't believe that you can grow a business. Uber's a great example. Uber is a company which polarizes the world. 50% of the world, in inverted commas, believes that this is the best company justifying its, you know, $80, $90 billion valuation and that it's going to completely transform the world. The other 50% of the, the world and the business community thinks that it owns, that has no assets, has no real IP, has minuscule barriers to entry and, you know, really is surviving on a brand name alone and doesn't have a long life ahead of it and is a fad, basically. The CEO of Uber has to really believe, and the board and the people involved in that company have to really believe that it has merit. If you don't believe that, if they don't believe that it has merit, they would be swayed very easily by the negativity in the marketplace about it. They have to really believe it. And you have to, and, and bring that back to all of us, you have to really believe in your cause as, a, as an entrepreneur and the cause and the vision that you're trying to pursue. If you're not completely 150% wrapped up in it and believe it i'm not talking about believing your own you know bs or believing your own publicity i mean you have to really believe in the vision of where you're taking the business it doesn't mean that you can't you know be nervous about it or you'd be you'd be an alien if you weren't sometimes nervous about your business but you have to be so focused on it that you are willing to do whatever is necessary to achieve your vision and if you if you don't have that mindset there's just too many there's too much negativity, there's too many headwinds, and there's too many stress factors that on any given day will just make you doubt yourself and quite simply believe that you can't, can't make this business work. So the mindset and the psychology behind it, quite interestingly, actually, I, I see that uh, I think it's the Duke of Cambridge has just teamed up with the Small Business Association in the UK to talk about entrepreneurs' mental health, which I think is a great initiative. And, you know, not that, not that you have to have mental health issues by any means to focus on your psychology. Everybody should be doing it. And psychology means what's your paradigm? What do you believe is possible? Because no one's going to work with you, be your partner, be your supplier or be your investor or do anything or work with you or work for you if they don't believe that you believe in what you're doing. So the whole point and, and yeah, for my book, I interviewed Saul Klein. Saul was a founding executive at Skype and is now one of the top, if not the top, tech investor in the UK. And he said to me about, you know, he said before they invest in any company, he's, he's a top seed investor with a you know several hundred million pound fund. Before they invest in any company, they will ask the team to sit down and write their Wikipedia page because that gives not only gives the investor the insight into where the business is going, but it gives the uh, it gives a team that puts you in the frame of mind and helps you really think where you want to go, takes you out of the day-to-day, -day, takes you out of the day-to-day -day administration and, and helps you really focus on how you can work, you know, in a, in a micro sense and a macro sense to achieve your vision. That's very, very, very important to be having the right mindset and, and it's all too easy to fall off a cliff with it if you don't stay, if you don't believe it. So someone moving on from, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, yes. guy that wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad. Rich Dad Poor Dad, yeah. And, and a lot of people coming from, especially, 
I think people that are, are very lucky that are college dropouts, I really believe that they're very, very lucky. I was one of the lucky but unlucky ones because I fell from college to and then going straight into a job instead of right. my own, you know, my, my, my business side of the mind. I didn't exercise that I should have. And people that want to get into that side, people that want to be entrepreneurs, what would you say they should begin with? A lot of the people think, oh, I don't have the money. That's the number one. That's the number one they think. They don't have the money. You know, who's going to invest in them? Da, 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 yeah. da. Where do you think they should begin? Firstly, I think if you do if you do have the money, but, well, let me say this. Firstly, you'd be surprised that people would be surprised at the number of people who are even billionaires who don't have liquidity. You know, you read the Times Rich List or any Rich List, you know, people who are billionaires, most of them have nowhere near the liquidity that we think. Yes, they've got valuations on paper doesn't mean that they're liquid and it doesn't mean that they not doesn't mean that you know so the point i'm making is not even billionaires have always the the amount of money immediately at their disposal that you need the point is so therefore you can't have this old poor poor you syndrome of you know everybody else has got it easier and it's not easy everybody has at some degree has to to be determined has to focus and has to you have to your job as an entrepreneur is to create the vision that other people buy into that's where things get supercharged and you know robert kiyosaki is all about the mindset but yet he he very clearly articulates in his amazing books about how if you do have the right mindset in an esoteric sense it translates in a, in a real life sense into a change of your life and a change of your finances and therefore you know an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, is creating something from nothing. You're sitting down or you're driving or you wherever you might be, lying on the couch. Some idea just comes into your head. And it's usually when your mind is, is somewhat relaxed. It's in my I've never known anybody who's come up with a world changing idea when they're, you know, sitting doing their, their VAT return and you're stressed out and focused on administration. It's usually when your mind's relaxed. An idea comes in and you then believe or are passionate about that idea enough that it sparks within you some purpose and you think that idea is good. I've got a vision for where I could take that idea. And I also feel somewhat purposeful about it. It feels almost like it's a calling, like a religion, like something I've got to do. When those things combine, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it, it, whatever, whatever business, it doesn't matter what the business or what the sector it is, you somehow feel compelled to do it. That's what a true entrepreneur's journey is. And then when that is the case, it's like, you know, with your child, you know, a person will do anything for their child to, to make sure their child is cared for and okay. You'll do whatever it takes. And the same with your business. Your business is, you know, almost like a child. And you'll do whatever it takes to make sure, you know, within, within the rules and within, within morality, I mean, but you'll do basically whatever it takes, you know, in terms of determination, talking to people, espousing your vision getting out there be, being in front of people and just being yourself that is where the supercharger is people think they've got to be sitting down sending 10,000 emails and you know working working themselves to death behind a desk you've got to be out there you've got to be going to events you've got to be talking to people you just don't ever know where somebody might be that can then work with you partner with you give you an idea that's going to take your business from a to you know Z or A to M, a thousand times quicker than it could ever ever gone, and that's only going to happen if you're authentic. You don't have to be charismatic. You don't have to be anything extraordinary. But you, what is extraordinary is your passion and belief in your own 
in your own vision. That's what attracts other people and attracts the right people to your particular business. And when you get the right people, one right person, one good break can just push you decades ahead. And so that's the key. And people might say, oh, it's all very nice, Mark. Oh, that's great. But you know, they're sitting there at home and whatever, they don't have two pennies to, to rub together. The fact is that you've got to get out of that mindset that other people have it have it easy. I mean, in the UK, there is programs like Virgin Startup Loans where you actually can get, you know, money pretty easily and on terms much more favourable than the banks. But even then, you know, you might get £20,000 or whatever. You could argue, well, that's just still not enough. People need to get out of the mindset about what money they need and focus on the vision and focus on what they're really trying to achieve. And, and then who else is interested in that vision? Who else can cooperate with you? They may, they may invest or they may not. They might be a partner. They might be just somebody who has got their own business but heading in the same direction. You've got to think about whatever you can do to achieve your vision rather than whatever you can do just to worry about the penny. So I'm not saying that people don't have to pay the bills. We all have to do that. That's a very real issue. But before you get to the stage where, you're, where you start the business and you're struggling, what I'm saying is talk to as many people about the vision as possible and just, just be authentic because if it is authentic, that will resonate with people and this has to resonate with one right person and somehow some way you're going to be supercharged forward and that's how that's i mean i've interviewed for my book my tv show you know some of the australia's and the uk is in fact leading entrepreneurs and you know this whether they call it luck some call it synchronicity doesn't matter what you call it the fact is that every single this is in fact the one thing that was uniform to everybody's interview i interviewed 25 people from my book 12 people from my tv show one thing everybody says is if you're out there if you're passionate if you're talking about the right thing the luck the synchronicity whatever you call it is going to strike this is not some guru talking about law of attraction these are real successful millionaires and billionaires and household names who are saying it so that's good enough for me <laughs> well said do you follow any sort of routine in the morning? There's a lot about, you know, get your morning right, get your routine right, have a routine, you know, do a certain ritual. Do you, do you have any ritual or anything like that? Yeah, I do. I think I'm, I'm big on the morning, uh, the morning ritual because that is when you are absolutely setting the tone for the day. In fact, I, I actually believe the tone for the next day is set the night before. But starting from the morning, uh, I'm an early riser and I'm up. I'm having my coffee. I'm quickly reading the reading the papers and seeing what's happening in the world, which is mostly negative, especially these days. Just at least enough to see what's going on, or if there's anything that's affecting any business that I'm involved in, or, or 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 something in a micro or macro sense. Get that out of the way as as quickly as possible. Then walk the dog and start focusing on myself. Well, what is it that what can I do that day ahead that that can really move the dial? my businesses or my clients but in general for the business and its clients what can i do that day that can really move the dial forward and that might in one day it could be just sending one email but if that's one email is something which supercharges a business going forward it doesn't matter it could be going to 10 meetings it could be take not even going into the office that day and, and just sitting at home and reflecting but the morning i set i set that tone and it's all about what can what can move the dial and i'm a huge believer in in the power of productivity and i think that begins in the mind i think it begins in the morning and it's about you know it's just about that it's not about and i know there's plenty of people listening to this and people who work in corporations as well who who do have to stick to a, 
an enforced routine and I, I respect that and they have to be on the train at a certain time or they have to be at work at a certain time. But the point is that if you're in a business, I think, where you, or, or if you want to leave that life and be in a, in a sector where you're creating a business, you do have to find a pocket of time in the morning especially where you can just let the ideas flow. Because if you're in execution mode all the time, which is very easy to do if you're an executive or working at a corporation, the brain, the executive function of the brain doesn't switch off. And any physiologist, much more learned than I in that subject, will tell you if it doesn't switch off, you can't create. And moving the dial and, and, and growing your business, it's always a constant creation. Wow. What has been some of your hardest lessons in business? I find that when you're working with business partners, it's very important. The hardest lessons I've had is where I've been with business partners where the visions haven't been aligned. And really important, once again, I know I, I keep repeating it, but you know, it's the, the concept of a vision of where you want to take the business. You can't automatically assume that everybody is on the same page with a business. And, and you know, it's so surprising how many business partners start off in a business, they think they know where it's going. Hey, let's start an app. Hey, let's open a coffee shop. Hey, let's do whatever, blah, blah, blah. They think they know, but there's, there's a total disconnect about it. And, you know, people often do not, there's this empty space where they think they know. And oftentimes they just don't simply sit down and work out where do we really want to take this business? And how does that affect my life? I might not be a risk, I might be risk averse. My business partner might not be risk averse. The other person's spouse might be worried about how things are being done or whatever. So there's a lot of dynamics in play when you've got business partners. And let's face it, most of it, most of us by choice or by by the way it has to be, end up with them. It's very important to make sure everyone's on the same page with a vision and to somehow or, or at least get comfortable with everybody's place in that business. Because my experience is when other people have different visions for the business, which could be related back to different visions for their own life, which then comes into the business if that's not like a marriage if it's not if you don't put it on the table in the beginning and work out where everybody wants to go it's not going to be it's going to end in a, in a problem and so my experience is where people have not been on the same page where some people have wanted to globalize and others haven't or i've wanted to globalize and somebody else hasn't whatever that that can and does lead to problems and i think that it's really important for business partners to make sure that they, they and their their support system, parents, partners, husbands, wives, whatever, everybody gets on the same page because you're all on the journey together. Yeah, that, that's another thing. You know, a lot of people would hire their family or friends, you know, thinking the biggest bad idea. <laughs> I've seen enough, enough failures on that side. And yeah. how important is it to get your, your, your family, your friends, letting them know you're, you're venturing onto this and you won't have the time and, you know, cutting out the negative people? How important of a part does that play and how, how do you execute that because sometimes it's a very difficult conversation to have with your family with your saying look i'm not i may i'm probably not going to have the time because i saw my father do that you know he, he disappeared off for six months at a time you know he was doing yep. it for us you know i could understand it my mother was very patient with him but a lot of times partners are not like that how do you have that difficult conversation with your family with your friends and telling everyone look i've, I've ventured onto this this is going to take time to build. I may not be as available as I was. I believe that people have to, especially family, have to see what, where your heart is coming from. And, you know, and sometimes people don't even think of the word heart. 
when it comes to business. But, you know, these days people are accepting that the business is not all about ruthless activity. And certainly when you're talking about family and friends, the word heart definitely comes into it. Very important that everybody that you sit, that you talk to your friends, if you, especially if you're changing your life, like some of your listeners are, and they're going from a, from a, you know, completely stable, predictable life, maybe in a corporation to, to, to moving into it, what is, can be an unstructured life as an entrepreneur. But the fact is that you need, you do need people around you that understand you for what you are and respect you for what you are and support you for what you are. Because the fact is, as an entrepreneur, you're going to, well, certainly in my case, you're going to be traveling incessantly. In many people's cases, they're going to be, you know, there's no reason, as an entrepreneur, you may have to work on the weekend. You might be with meetings all week and then you have to do administration on the weekend. You have no choice. But you need, and your friends, you know, eventually they have to, they have to understand or else you're going to move out of each other's orbits. Family, absolutely. Kids, especially. Everybody needs to understand. And I believe that the secret is that firstly, obviously it goes without saying that, that in, in personal, in personal families and spouses and kids, everybody really has to be supportive or else it's not going to work. But secondly, even with a broader scenario, I think if people see that this is your passion, it's not just some transactional thing that, or the latest fad, or you just think it's a cool idea to, to, you know, leave your job and, you know, whatever, start an app or open up a coffee shop. But this is something that you really committed to the vision, you're passionate about it, it's connected with your purpose, and you really feel that this is part of what your calling is. And everybody, you know, my books and interviews, again, talks about their, their calling. People use different words, but ultimately it comes back to something that's fulfilling them. And if your friends and family see that that, that that's why you're doing it, you know, I believe that, that that engenders a lot more support and a lot more honest support than just saying, hey, you know, I've decided to, to leave my job and, and start a business and, you know, then never turn up at any any events, any family or friends events ever again. So not only will it stop people being alienated from you, but I think it actively helps people support you and you do need that support. You want that you want that support system from family or friends because it, it is a, you know, it's a cliche to say it's a lonely journey, but it is a lonely journey as an entrepreneur because at the end of the day, it's your vision and your contract in your mind and your contract alone to to fulfill and people will come and go but you're still going to be there so you need that support to fall back on and to rely on okay is there a business or an entrepreneur that that you think at the moment is changing the game it's like doing something very impactful for the world that really has impressed you well look i think that there is you know there's i suppose the easiest examples are, are the high profile ones so you know, let's talk about that. You know, I think that the way that Bill Gates has, he could have probably gone on and made billions of billions and billions, probably going to make another 70 or 80 billion or whatever, but he chose to cut that corporate career short. It was an active choice. Could have continued to assume, uh, you know, amass more money than he'll ever need or, or be able to spend. But then he, he didn't just start the path to give the money away, but he set up a very corporatized entrepreneurial structure, you know, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is a very entrepreneurial, very, very procedural structure. And, and so he's really made, he's changed the game, I think, in philanthropy by bringing the entrepreneurial spirit to it, apart from the good that he's done, which is incredible. But, you know, I think he's brought that into it. I think Elon Musk is an interesting character because I think that there's, a, there's an argument that he's, 
you know, not a classic entrepreneur, but he's actually an inventor, which is quite interesting because I think that anything, there is a lot of similar skill sets between an inventor and an entrepreneur because as an entrepreneur, you are also inventing things, but he sits very much on the engineering mindset. A remarkable number of people we call entrepreneurs, Elon Musk among them, actually are engineers by trade or, or by design. And so he's interesting because he is innovating, but in a very engineering-based way. And once again, he just gets called an entrepreneur, but people don't look at beneath. You know, he's trying to change entire sectors and, and entire habits and, and completely revolutionize the world. But it's not purely entrepreneurially driven. It's not purely profit-driven. And all you have to do is look at one of his videos and talk about how, listen to how he talks at length about, you know, the nuts and bolts of Tesla or the the details of boring holes in the ground and building roads underneath Los Angeles to see that he's actually obsessed with the engineering function behind what he does. And, you know, the money comes as a result of that. So, you know, I think that there are a couple of interesting uh, case studies and high profile case studies of, of people who are, who are, have the potential to do enormous good. And I think that if people just understand, if people do understand even more, what the entrepreneurial mindset is about, they would they would probably even support those people even more, and, and maybe maybe even cut them some some more slack because most entrepreneurs don't start out or don't continue in business just to make money. If Mark Zuckerberg was in it just for them, I know he's you know we've all got faults, and you know Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Elon Musk have plenty of them. If Zuckerberg was in it just for the money, he would have sold Facebook in the early days when he was offered a billion dollars for it. Bill Gates was in it for the money, he would have you know, continued and, and, and amassed another 70 billion. You know, if Elon Musk was in it for the money, he probably wouldn't be trying to start, you know, numerous different businesses to change the world and the universe. So I think that the, the impressive thing is when you look at people who are who are not doing things just for the money. And and if people just get outside of their their mindsets and their heads for a moment and say, you know, and, and realize that, the, that this is true, that, that true entrepreneurs and not, of course, you know, if you're not, if you, if you, we live in a commercial world and there's no shame in that at all. But the mm-hmm. fact is, as an entrepreneur, you know, all of us and, and those high profile people are pursuing their vision first and their passion. The money's there. And that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, one of the key metrics of su- success. But, you know, people should look at these high profile people instead of just seeing dollar size and saying, Bill Gates is defined by the fact that he's worth X billion. Elon Musk is defined by the fact that he's worth whatever and that he sent a couple of bad tweets and that, you know, he's got a messed up personal life. Okay, that's all great, but why not define them by something more romantic, by something more authentic and say, wow, they're creating something really incredible. They're revolutionizing things really in a really amazing way. Wow, that's really entrepreneurial. Big tick off the list for entrepreneurialism. So I just think that we should look at, you know, any entrepreneurs we know, but especially high profile ones and just scratch a little bit beneath the surface instead of defining them by what their, what the dollar sign is next to them or what their latest personal scandal was. Look at what it is, what must be in their heart to do every day. Because, you know, Elon Musk might be worth billions, but if his ventures fail, you can very easily, very, very easily end up with, with nothing. That's happened to, to billionaires before. So, you know, he's possibly closer to the edge than many, many people on, you know, a lot less money. Lives very close to the edge. But what gets him up every day? 
and says, hey, I want to work on the boring company on Tesla on SpaceX. What, you know, it's, it's not an easy life. It's, it must be very difficult. It's all very easy to say, well, it's great when the rocket goes off and, you know, when things go well, it must be really difficult. And I think that we need to look at entrepreneurs and celebrate them because they are changing the world. They are creating things that change the world. They've all got faults. We all do. And, uh, you know, nobody's saying that, that an entrepreneur is some sort of perfect figure. But just look and stop defining them by the outward things and then look inward. What are they really trying to achieve? And is that benefiting society somehow? And if it is, let's support it. Let's support that person. and Let's support them on their journey because they're changing the world or they're changing a sector. To me, that's, that's one of the ways that we can start to move the dial and even, you know, improve the world, which is not in a great state right now. Talking about that, you know, a lot of people um, wait for the perfect time, uh, whether you're not, you know, a lot less risk averse entrepreneurs or people that are getting into business would, would always wait for the perfect time. You know, it's the Brexit, it's the bad economy. We've been hearing this, you know, for the last yep. five, six, seven years and since the last recession that we're going to have another recession. And then now the Brexit kicked in a few years ago. What's, what's your view on that? What's, what's your predictions of what's going to happen? Firstly, historically, I hope, I hope we don't have a recession, but firstly, historically, more, more successful businesses have come out of recessions than out of times of prosperity. There's various reasons behind that, but that's, that's a historical fact and an economic fact. Secondly, I think that there's two answers to that question. One answer is the, is the romantic answer, with, which is when the inspiration takes you, you should pursue it. I do believe that. I do also think, though, that if you've got that applies more so if you're probably younger, as in very young, if you've got responsibilities or if you actually do have a job, obviously it, it's not a great idea to to throw everything in and, and sort of have zero income. I think it's it's smart to still pursue when the inspiration strikes, but manage your finances responsibly and don't don't get stuck though, because there still comes a tipping point. There's still it's always hard to turn the tap off on regular income in your account. And I know a lot of people listening to you are corporate people who are trying to, you know, work out how they could leave a job and start a business. There's never a perfect time to turn off that money that comes in on the 15th of every month because that's that's a very nice thing to have. But there does have to come a time. And so you've got to balance what's the responsible time with what's the right time. And at some time, you are going to have to, you can still, you know, have that job and pursue the business to a certain degree simultaneously but at some time you're going to have to make that leap a lot of people that's where they get stuck and they get stage fright so to speak and it's oh we'll just stick with the job that's where they end up you know becoming unfulfilled and, and turning around in their 60s and saying wow i wish i would have started that business and you don't want to be that person similarly you don't want to be the person who can't meet your mortgage payments every month so you've got to you've got to make that leap at some point and and you've got to manage that but you do have to do it if you're a younger person, you need to realize that that, that being on, being in business is a perfectly acceptable career option. Entrepreneurs change the world, they change sectors, and they create unbelievable businesses. And just as a business might fail, and you might end up, you know, you might go to university and start a business and it fails, well, you might lose your job too. You might get fired, the business might go bankrupt, or a million other things might happen. So, you know, we always say, well, it's fails. Well, plenty of people fail in their jobs as well. So, you know, that happens all the time. And the ultimate failure is to be in a job that you hate and to, to leave university and to do something because somebody else tells you you should do it 
or you think that that's a path for you responsibly rather than doing something that you're passionate about. So, you know, if you are younger, the time to take the leap, yes, definitely get your degree and do the smart thing, but take the leap straight away. And, you know, I think that the, across the board, the greatest way to minimize failure is apart from the fact that you've got to have a vision and you've got to think that you're fulfilling a need for society, you've got to take advice. You've got to listen to podcasts, watch shows, read books, look at people who are doing it or who have done it and look at not just their successes but their failures and every 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 aspect of them, you know, and, and that will then start to give you the feel for how you can how you can do it and what the what the journey might be like, how you can avoid the mistakes because um, the fact that there's such a significant failure rate, so to speak, in business, 90%, 98%, whatever a small business is failing within a couple of years, statistically it's totally unacceptable. And I think that there needs to be, people need to wake up and say this is unacceptable and it's really, the statistics are so skewed if the statistics were so high in any other aspect of life, we'd say this, this is crazy. The, the polling system must be wrong. So therefore, and the polling system is wrong because I think that, you know, well, the polling system is not wrong. What is wrong is that I think that people will take the leap but will not necessarily follow the formula. No formula is a guarantee for success. But I, from what I've seen from, you know, all of the people that I've worked with, all the people that I've coached and all of the people that I've interviewed, all extremely successful people, all of whom have had ups and downs in their in their time. But the key is you have the vision, you couple that with something you're passionate about, you feel that you're on purpose and that you're fulfilling something purposeful in your life. And then you take you take that and then you couple that up with what need is this business fulfilling? If it's not fulfilling any need and it's totally useless, well then the market will will reflect that back to you. That doesn't mean it's game over, though, because you can still adjust, you can still pivot, you can stay and say, well, there's something in there. might not be exactly what I thought it was, but I can still take what I've got and take the vision and, and the skills that I've got and do X instead of Y. So you've got to think about it in this way. It's not black or white. And it's what are you trying to do? What is marketing? Marketing is taking your product to the market. So you've got to be fulfilling a need. But once again, Steve Jobs fulfilled a need that we didn't even know we had. We thought we were perfectly happy with Nokia's. He, he turned around and he, he, he showed us retrospectively that we needed something we didn't even think that we needed. And now none of us can walk to the bathroom without, you know, these things in our pockets. So the need is not always obvious. It doesn't mean that people are walking down the street with banners saying we need what you've got. The point is that you've got to, you got to tune into it. You got to research it. You got to look at it. You got to talk to people. You have got to look at what the macroeconomic trends are and see: Do we think, on the balance of of everything, fifty one percent someone will need this? And if so, and you have got a vision or a passion for it, then you got to go for it. Awesome. Now, Michael, you're an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, a TV presenter, a coach, and a judge, and the list goes on and on and on. And, and you've got a very successful portfolio of businesses. What's, what's next for you? What's the next big thing for you? I have a suggestion, by the way. Yes. I was thinking Shark, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. Look, I, I, uh, I, I, I really enjoy the medium of TV, so I'm always up for anything. And I think that the power of the medium of, of television, especially when it can then be disseminated, be it Shark Tank, Dragon's Den, 
or, or my show Nothing Ventured, which is on Sky in Australia, you know, the power of it is that then once it's then replicated on YouTube and on social media, a lot of people can see it. And the idea is that that it's not an ego trip for the presenters, but that it actually does do some good. And that's really, I really honestly, genuinely hope that people look at the show in the way that we, my show, my current show, Nothing Invention, and, and say, you know, and to see what we've brought out of the entrepreneurs. And I think that we brought it out, my co-host, Anthony Bell and I, I think that we brought things out of the people in a different way than, than people have seen in other interviews. And I just hope that, that people will look at that and say, yeah, that's entertaining, but also I can get something out of that for my business. So yeah, that's an exciting uh, medium. For me, uh, I've got more books in the pipeline as well. And uh, I've, um, you know, I'm working with, uh, you know, with with a few different uh, exciting corporations, not all of whom I can mention, but also a couple of governments, you know, doing doing working with them on innovation, which is also another word which gets thrown around. But what we're trying to do is really, I mean, governments and corporations move slowly, as we all know, and it can take years to get a decision that a startup could make in a day and there's good and bad around that of course if they're a publicly listed company they will compliance and if they're a government they've got obviously duties back to the to the community but what we're trying to do is say you know what are the you know the entrepreneurial toolkit as i call it you know and how can we apply that in a responsible way that a corporation or the or the government you know particularly on certain projects you know and and and, and move move this project of governments or of corporations from from A to Z, you know, in a in a responsibly fast time, using entrepreneurial processes rather than something which will take three months or, or you know three years or when it should take three months. And so so I find it really rewarding because you also then find there's a lot of executives sitting in corporations who are entrepreneurial, of people who are listening to you, who some of whom might want to set up their business, some of whom are just still they love their company and they want to be entrepreneurial within the company. And when, you know, we come along and say it's okay to be entrepreneurial, but this is how to do it responsibly in a way that keeps your job, it keeps a corporation happy achieving your KPIs, but also we get this project done in, you know, in a tenth of the time in an entrepreneurial way. The executives love that, people love that, and that's, to me, that's really rewarding. So I love doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do also really uh, look forward to, to continuing to uh, to do personal coaching, I only do it for about five people, and it's something that I can really dedicate. You know, a, a decent with with the people that I do it with. It's not about time. It's not about I've done have to talk to them for you know an hour a day. It's about how do we, how do I work with them? These are people who are eminently skilled in their field, CEOs or executives, or a couple of people also in, in government, and also just you know not just a couple of people who are entrepreneurs who are growing successful businesses, but people who, who need additional processes and additional formulas to just to bring out the best of them. And uh, the, this is something which I just love doing. I love talking to, to my clients and, you know, there's, there's, there's deliberately few of them enough that I can have, you know, great personal relationship filled with trust and it becomes a seamless relationship where the barriers just get broken down and basically we're just working together to achieve success with their business. And to me, that's fulfilling because at the end of the day, yes, they're paying me, but they're going to, they're going to make, you know, millions more if, if the ideas or the strategies that we implement are successful in their business than I will. But I really find it fulfilling and it's, it's something which then can, if they're successful, it then goes on, has an impact as well. And they employ more people and, you know, 
everything succeeds. And so I love doing this and I'm looking forward to doing doing more of that as well. And then on my, my day job, as I call it, on the entertainment property business, we've got about six developments coming online over the next few years in, in Central and Eastern Europe and a couple in the UK. And these are things which will really transform the cities or the, the boroughs or the municipalities where they're in. You know, they're, they're things which will become sources of employment and, you know, entertainment properties, arenas and convention centres. They really punch above their weight, to use that British term, and they really can, they can once again inspire people. They can make people proud. Hey, I live, I live near this. You know, this is a great thing. This is employing people. This is a beautiful structure. This is a great place of culture or whatever. So, you know, what I love about that business is that it's, it's something which can and will over the next few years, you know, really, once again, transform and revolutionize. So that's, that's really what I'm about. And it just shows up and manifests itself in, in a different, few different ways. But I can use my skills to transform and revolutionize people's lives or help them to do it for themselves or cities or governments. Then um, you know, then that's 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 sort of where I fit into the formula of, of of other people's lives and where I'm most fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that has ripple effect on other people, and that's what I believe as well. That you know, in order to have a better world, we need happier people, and in order to get happier people, we need people on purpose. And yes. On purpose, you will see they'll avoid things. You know, a lot of people waste their teens, their 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 twenties into uh, you know partying and drinking, you know, which is all good every now and then. But you don't want to be getting into a habit, and twenty years have gone by, ten years have gone by, and your dreams are lost. That's right. That's right. I agree. You've got to have a. You've got everybody has a purpose, and mm-hmm. your purpose is usually connected to your your core skill set. And I think that your core skill set. How do you know what that is if you don't know? It's usually what you're most passionate about, and I think it's really that simple. And if you can, if you can employ those, if you can deploy that skill and that purpose wherever you want to, it doesn't have to be in a business. If it is fantastic, if it's in a job or if it's as a school teacher, whatever it is. But there's too many people who aren't who aren't doing that, as you said. And I think that you know, if everybody was 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 on purpose and doing things, doesn't mean we're all espousing ourselves to be saints. No. What it means is that at least you're on purpose and you're achieving a purpose in, in life and positively affecting people, which, you know, gosh knows the world certainly needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, thank you so much. Where, when, finally, where can people find you? They can find me easily on Michael Jacobson, senjacobson.org, or they can find me on Instagram, Michael Jacobson underscore, or Twitter at mjacobson. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. And if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazbearaurora.com, that's www.jazbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one hour masterclass. And also go and take the Escape the 95 survey, which will help you understand where you are right now and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.